Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. With me today is CEO and CIO Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. It's good to be here, Dan. All right, Chris, always good to have you. I think we got a good uh, good podcast ahead here this morning. Um, first thing I want to touch on is, is what we're seeing on the heels of earnings over the last couple of weeks here. Um, you know, we've seen companies like Facebook and Amazon and Snap, right? We've seen them move double-digit percentages and, and tens, and in some cases, actually, we've seen hundreds of billions of dollars being <laughs> of market cap being added or disappearing in just a few short hours. Uh, this certainly isn't normal. Uh, how can we explain these moves, and especially in these large and mega cap stocks? Yeah, I, it's a reflection of what we've seen as far as the deterioration and underlying market internal. So it's lack of liquidity is really what it is, and it's uh, kind of one-sided positioning. And when you don't have sufficient liquidity, you're going to whip these stocks around. And what we've also seen ever since the markets began to correct in early January is the the signs and indications that you're in a correction or a bear market, meaning you get really sharp rallies and these really exaggerated moves is very, very indicative of what you'd see in a larger correction or in a bear market. Um, and so that that's really all that's going on. It's not as if you know the market is uh, you know calculating what they think the NPV of a stock is based on new information. It's just, um, you know, concentrated positioning, lack of liquidity, and, and what I'd call kind of lack of momentum in the market. When you really look, even post the, the big moves we saw in and around some of the larger cap stocks and in some of the social media stocks or those involved in online advertising, uh, in just the last week when we've seen, we've, saw the, we've seen the markets bounce off the lows uh, but the up market is always uh, experiencing lower levels of volume. Um, you know, it would seem to be you have a lot of short covering that's driving the, the up moves in the market. So, you know, today with the release of CPI, it'll be interesting if the market holds given the rally we saw yesterday. But when you have the market up significantly, you know, one to two percent, and yet the, the very largest of the large caps aren't participating, that's a pretty good sign that, that uh, things have shifted from the bull market we've been in since the bottom in the pandemic, for sure. Right, for sure. Um, and then shifting over to some news that came out this morning. Um, so we saw CPI coming in at about 7.5%. So you know, not only was this was the, the highest number in the last 40 years or so, uh, but it also exceeded um, industry expectations. So I'm beginning to think over here that perhaps it's it's uh, it's not too uh, this inflationary period is not too transitory and and uh, just curious what do you think here? Yeah, you know, like they say, everything is transitory if you give it enough time. Um, I think what's really important when you think about the inflationary conditions we're in is one, there's no question that what we've experienced in the last year rivals any annual period that you know the, that we went through an elevated inflation in the 70s and, and early 80s. Um, we also know that when you look at the expansion of the monetary base, it's entirely predictable as to how much you would expect to see a rise in inflation. And, and what we really need is a 30% increase in nominal GDP or nominal income. And some of that comes through real growth and the rest comes through inflation. So you know, if we can handle 2 to 3% real growth a year and we were going to make this adjustment over a three- or four-year period, um, you know, that would give you 9 to 12%, say, on the high end for real growth. 
And the remaining, uh, you know, 21 to 18 percent is going to come through inflation. If you spread it over a longer period of time, you can dampen the annualized inflationary impact. It's also very well known that, you know, the Fed and other central banks have been trying to engineer inflation in order to uh, reduce the sovereign level. And that's where the risks are. Um, And, you know, they got a little bit of a benefit out of it. They delevered a little bit. Uh, but if they want to continue to use this policy tool, they're going to have to uh, really not focus as much on tightening and other tools from a monetary policy standpoint. They're going to have to actually increase stimulus because it's very clear that inflation has already peaked. Um, it peaked and is in the process of peaking. Uh, nearly every commodity has already started to roll over with the exception of oil. But, you know, as we look at oil this week, it appears to be uh, potentially putting in lower highs. And it, too, is going to, um, you know, experience probably a consolidation. Um, So I think we're going to see a rapid decline in inflation. I think it will go from the 7.5%, probably something closer to 4 to 5%. And that may occur by the uh, second quarter or during the second quarter, early third quarter of this year. And that has significant implications uh, for policy as, as well as for the market writ large. And it's going to coincide, and it, you know, we saw peaking growth in monetary aggregate, aggregates a, a year ago, so it's very well telegraphed. Two to ten spreads peaked uh, March, uh, late March of 21, which is also when um, equity markets and all the bubbles peaked. So, you know, we're, we're very much kind of working our way through that. The real question is going to be is when we bottom, what happens? Do we go back to prior trends or do we stay elevated at 4 to 5%? And, and one follow-up there. So, you know, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on the implication of the pace of rate increases and, and other Fed policy tools? Yeah, it, you know, the Fed's really in a tough spot. And as always, and, you know, they're a political institution and they follow politics. Uh, If they were a a monetary authority, they would have raised rates 9, 12 months ago. Uh, And they're in a tough spot because we're going to see a very significant economic slowdown in the second quarter. Uh, We're going to see $1.3 trillion of fiscal spending come out of the system in 2022. And the vast majority of that's going to occur in this second quarter. So you're going to see government spending decline at the high single-digit rate year over year. Um, the uh, bond market is telegraphing this. We've seen two to tens continue to compress. Uh, and I'm not saying the two-year shouldn't be at close to one and a half this morning and the 10-year shouldn't be at two. But it's it's signaling that... Yeah, economic growth is slowing. We know inflation's coming down. And we also know the Fed's been too easy too long, so short rates do need to increase. And I think it, whether the Fed moves 25 or 50 in March is utterly irrelevant. It'll make good news cycles, but it just doesn't matter to the market. The market's telling the Fed, you can get to one and a half right now over the next two years, and we don't have an issue with it. You may want to go sooner rather than later, But I think the bigger question for the Fed is going to be, A, it's great that you're going to raise rates, but with the curve flattening, you may have to start adjusting your balance sheet to steepen the curve. So they may have to start selling mortgages or selling treasuries or other assets that they hold, and that's going to have real implications for the market 
and for a liquidity environment, and they're not necessarily positive. They, they, they can be neutral, but not necessarily positive for sure, and they can certainly be negative. Um, at the same time, if they don't do that with the balance sheet, then they're going to flatten the curve, and they're going to be tightening into an economic slowdown, which is why that's what the, the equity market is telling you. We're correcting. We don't know if it's going to be self-reinforcing, meaning it, it's going to feed itself lower, or if we're going to correct more through time than through price. But the market's telling you the, the Fed's raising rates, tightening liquidity conditions, and the market's already tightened liquidity conditions into a material slowdown in economic growth and a material slowdown in inflation ahead. That's just bearish for risk assets, period. Right. Uh, and so, you know, one change of direction a little bit here. So, you know, we're, we're sitting here today, we're looking at the largest credit market in history, <laughs> with, alongside with, with very little liquidity. Um, so two-part question for you. Um, one, how does this happen? What's the setup here? Yeah. And then two, are you beginning to see any signs of stress? Yeah. So when you look at, you know, and this is where the Fed kind of overplayed its hand and we overstimulated, um, you know, the over-reliance on monetary policy and the bubbles that have been created in companies that, quite frankly, they're hobbies. They'll never turn a profit. And it's r resulted in such a misallocation of labor resources and capital spending, um, that that lends itself to you have really low cost of capital, and it just lends itself to the expanse and the bubbles that have been created, you know, whether it's in the equity markets or the credit markets. Um, and the market's gotten used for the Fed having their back. And what's a little bit, and the market is starting to sniff out the potential for issues. And this is very consistent with slowing growth in the economy and slowing growth in inflation, uh, as well as what I think is going to be very material slowing growth and the potential for year-over-year S&P earnings to go negative. They're certainly going to go from kind of triple-digit growth last year to single-digit growth this year. But if trends don't turn up, um, you know, we, we do have the potential for those earnings to go negative. And the market's starting to sniff that out. So when you look at uh, high-yield spreads, they're starting to widen. When you look at uh, uh, forward uh, curves, the 2 to 10 is starting to flatten out, and it's saying there's a potential for an inversion one year forward. forward. So the market's telling the Fed and telling participants, we know a slowdown's coming. We're not sure how big it is yet. We're not sure if it's going to have negative self-reinforcing forces, <clears throat> but if it does, there's the potential if we don't see an acceleration in economic activity, stimulus, or the Fed back away, that the economy could be uh, fairly close to what I'd call pending recessionary conditions in a year. So that's a lot of time and space for investors, but it's the beginning. It's the beginning of what could be a, a broader issue, for sure. Good. All right, something to continue to watch. Um, so that's it for today. So thank you so much, Chris. We uh, always enjoy having you on here, and we'll catch you soon. Sounds good, Dan. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast, or any podcast in the series, does not constitute professional investment advice 
or services, and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.